Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you come to the right place. There are no hard and fast rules and you don't have to call yourself anything. You're just a woman that knows something isn't working for her and you are wanting to make an intentional change. I'm Rachel Pritz and I'll walk alongside you as you learn to drink less and live more. Let's go. Welcome back. This week we are talking about reward systems and creating new ones because it turns out that alcohol isn't actually a reward, but our brain thinks it is. So I am fresh off of my birthday. I happened to be on Easter this year, and so I turned a whopping 41. So it's been an interesting year. 40 was so easy for me. It was like I was excited about turning 40. I didn't have any problems with it. I felt like I had my shit together. I was in great physical shape, all the things. I kind of had fought back um, after the pandemic, kind of crawled out of the overeating, overdrinking phase of the pandemic and said, no more, we're done with that, and really sort of tackling my relationship with alcohol. So I had a lot of energy in uh, the year up to turning 40. And I would say it's like 50-50 in the year up to turning 41. Without the alcohol, I've had to tackle some harder emotions, and I've had to sit in those for longer than I had previously. So it's been a journey. I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I think that this is life. I think this is the human experience for us to have these ebbs and flows. And I'm good with 50-50 at this point. I'm just sort of on the ride. Like I'm here for the whole journey. I'm here for all of it, even when it does get hard. So been an interesting year, um, but I love, I love my 40s already. I just feel so much more confident, so much more comfortable, so much more authentic uh, than any other time in my life. So I look forward to what the rest of uh, this 10-year this period brings to my life. So what we are going to be talking about is reward systems. So I want to be clear, if you're talking to someone with a substance use disorder, it screws with your brain in a different way. And so that's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the gray area drinker that is exploring their relationship with alcohol. And I will say that it's really hard to question whether or not alcohol is a reward to you unless you get about 30 days clear of alcohol. So uh, just weigh it, the way alcohol chemically works. It can stay into your system for up to 10 days, but it can stay even longer from a brain chemistry standpoint. And I am certainly no neuroscientist or brain chemist, but I do know that alcohol screws with our thinking for sure. So we have to get clear of the alcohol in order to really question this idea of reward systems because the alcohol um, in our in our brains is actually our brains telling us, hey, this is a reward because we're getting this like dopamine kick. This is exciting, you know? And so our brain believes that as a reward. But there are many other ways to get dopamine kicks. There are many other ways to um, to create the same thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
So when I first started, you know, the 30-day break, I didn't really challenge a lot of this thinking I was just like, oh, let's just see where this goes. I'm kind of curious how I feel. I sort of didn't really have a lot of rules or or anything that I was really working on per se. It was just a, I'm just going to be curious about this journey. So I, you know, after the first 30 days, I kind of started saying, you know, I think I need to really challenge my thought patterns. I mean, I do this in every other aspect of life. And I've been coaching people for three years around changing thought patterns and changing these same patterns of behavior that are not serving us anymore, but we just keep doing them because they feel comfortable to our brains. So there's a way to change that. It takes time and intention, but you can change that, which is really cool. And it's something that we haven't known forever that we can actually make new neural pathways in our brains. But we know that now. We know that's true. It was interesting because when I went to nursing school, I remember they told us like, you know, like this, you're kind of stuck with this. I'm like, your IQ is your IQ. And there's, you know, you're stuck in these patterns. And I always thought, I don't think that's true. I mean, I really, I'm not saying I'm some brilliant brain scientist, but I didn't have the data to back it up other than just this like inner knowing where I'm like, I don't, that just doesn't feel true to me that we can't change any pattern of behavior, any habit. I just, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't feel true to me. Um, And once again, I'm talking to someone that isn't addicted um, or wouldn't consider themselves as someone having substance use disorder or consider themselves an alcoholic. So keep that in mind. I think there's a whole different thing there that that um, that, you know, I'm not here to talk about. So. um, So the reward systems, let's think about what our brains are currently telling us. So I know my unconscious brain And sometimes my conscious brain was telling me that at the end of a hard day, a glass of wine or two or a bottle would help me relax. And that was the reward at the end of a hard work day. day. You know, I did all the things. I checked all the the to-do list boxes. I nailed it at work, you know, and I came home or I went downstairs in my case now. And I deserved something. I deserved a reward. And so I started realizing that I didn't really want to take away the reward because I actually think I did deserve something. I deserved a chance to relax and a chance to have a break, but it didn't have to be alcohol. So I started saying, okay, well, wait a minute. Is alcohol even a reward? I I don't know if it is. What is it really gaining me long term? And when I started questioning that, I was like, okay, I'm, I I got out of the short term because what it gained me short term was like, oh, that first glass of wine, oh, that hit nice. You know, it was like, ah, I feel, I do feel more relaxed. I do feel happier. I feel like a warm, cozy blanket just got wrapped around me. This is awesome. So the short term reward was still there, but the long term effects is what I was looking at. So I started looking at, okay, so is it rewarding when I wake up foggy in the morning? And I might even skip the gym because, you know, like, I can do that tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, No, that wasn't a reward. That was not a reward for me. Was it rewarding to sleep like crap and wake up with night sweats? No, that wasn't rewarding. Was it rewarding to wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety or wake up the next morning with anxiety and have no idea why? I didn't even know why I was anxious. Nothing was going on. Like there was nothing to be anxious about. I shouldn't say that. That's not true. There's always something to be anxious about. 
Um, I've learned this over time just through my own journey. Like there's always something to be anxious about in the modern day world we live in. And if you are a mother, there is always something to be anxious about. But, you know, really looking at it, it was like, I don't even know what I'm anxious about. So if I can't identify it, it's like, that's odd, you know? So that was not rewarding for sure. The shame I had started noticing that I was experiencing when I would wake up and see the whole bottle on the table and think, gosh, did I drink that whole thing by myself? We opened one at dinner or I opened one before dinner and started drinking. And then my husband came home. We opened another bottle. Did I drink a whole bottle and maybe even more? I don't even remember. I did not find that shame to be even a little bit rewarding. And it really impacted my confidence in the way I talked to myself about everything. Not a reward. Was my energy level being low and being snippy with people? Was that rewarding? Was that getting me anything that I wanted? No, not a reward. And so when I looked at it more more in a long-term perspective, and when I'm saying long-term, I'm saying like eight hours after. So it's not even that long-term. And then we're not talking about all the health impacts that's, you know, 30 days down the road, a year down the road, you know, all those things. So yeah, it was not a reward when I really looked at it. I'm like, huh, well, I wonder what could be a reward. Uh, what might feel more rewarding to me than drinking alcohol? I don't know. Let's figure it out. So and I had started already doing some of this, like I've created Sensory Love Lists, which is something that I do with clients, which I love because it's a really great way to connect in our brains in a different way and remind us of things that our senses are telling us that we love, that maybe our brains have said like, well, that's not big enough or, or you know, uh, bold enough. Listening to running water outside on your porch can't possibly bring you joy. And I'm here to say that it 100% can, because that's one of my things is I recognize through doing my sensory love list that I love the sound of running water, just a real light trickle. Gosh, it's so peaceful to me. And so I bought a little fountain years ago and it sits on my back porch. And when the weather is nice, I sit out there and listen to my little fountain. So, wow, that brings me pretty immense joy. So simple. Another thing that brings me a lot of joy and feels like a reward for me is walking down uh, the Monon Trail. I live right off of it here in Indianapolis. If you're local, if you are not, it's just a really lovely trail that people can bike, run, walk down. And it's um, really covered in a lot of trees. And it's just, there's all the noises, all the chirpies, all the little things. I get to see lots of nature when I'm out there. I will take my little my little pup Roxy with me. Um, sometimes, sometimes not, because sometimes she's a pain in the ass. So I'm like, you're you're at home. You're done. You are you are benched, uh, pup. But I often take her. So uh, that's been something that I've I've been learning um, with having a dog. Is I was feeling some dog guilt about not taking her everywhere I go and her not you know being up with me in my office every single day all of the time. And I had to sort of step back from that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was like when I had newborns where I was having all this mom guilt and that was really prevalent in my life. I had dog guilt. It's like, for the love of God, Rachel, like we've got to, we've got to manage this. So sometimes I leave her ass at home because she uh, isn't always the best. And so, yeah. And then other times I take her with me. So there you have it. So that is one of my pieces of of reward that I can give myself. If the weather's not so great, I just love podcasts. Clearly, I have a podcast. This is my second podcast. 
So I love it. I have a huge lineup of podcasts that I love to listen to, all from different genres. You know, I'm listening to John Meacham's new podcast um, with history. And I'm like, oh, I love like I love that. That is very thought provoking. I also listen to Smartless, which I freaking love, too, because it's just usually like there's always stuff to take from it. But it's just like them razzing each other. And they're funny, super witty. All of them are. I just I love it. I love the guests they have. I just I love it. And so that one will make me laugh. I listen to Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard and Monica Padman. Love that as well. Um, and so there's just there's so many different podcasts that I listen to for different reasons. Um, I love Glennon Doyle's podcast, Jen Hatmaker. You know, there's all these people that I listen to it when I'm in. When I know that's the space I need to be in and maybe I'm not there yet or maybe I just want to double down on that space, I will listen to whatever podcast comes to mind. I also love listen, listening to audiobooks and walking. Um, listening to an audiobook and walking around my house and picking up all the little shit, you know, all the stuff and cleaning up all the little sticky spots and all the stuff in the mornings when the family leaves. That is a reward to me. I actually really love that. So it is not a chore. I love everything about it. I'm not pissed off like I used to be like, why do I got to clean up all this stuff? Because I honestly challenged that. I'm the one that cares if the floors are not sticky. I'm the one that cares if there's shit laying everywhere. So I just pick it up and I do it with joy and I move on. Thank you, Byron Katie, for teaching me this lesson. She always talks about the socks, how she used to walk around the house picking up socks like, you ungrateful brats, you make me do this and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it, you know, it dawned on her in an awakening of her own that she was like, I could just pick up the socks with joy because they don't give a shit about the socks. They don't care about the socks. I care about the socks. Pick them up, do it with joy and shut up about it. Move on. And so she's taught me a lot about that. So that's something I love to do. I love watching a well-written show or movie that you can tell they've done this work around behaviors, personality styles, um, you know, personas that people have created because I do so much work with the Enneagram. I love connecting that where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such an Enneagram nine thing to do or such an Enneagram seven thing to do, you know? So it's like, it's just fun for me to sort of start to almost analyze these characters and then getting to the deeper reason why they're behaving in a certain way. Why did they just blow up on that person? Why do they have this overreaction from what is on the surface level going on, but what is actually going on deeper? So I send out in my newsletter every week um, just a little tidbit from the week. And I talked about how I decided to watch Bridgerton um, because I was really just interested in that. And oh my gosh, like that was so much fun for me to watch and analyze the characters in that show. I just, I love everything about it. Surface level, or it seems surface level, it seems like it's sort of like this, like, uh, like, you know, Fabio type of, you know, thing that you're watching this, this show. And it's not, it's actually really deep and really well written. And I love how they dive into certain characters and why they've become the person they are. I mean, it's just fascinating to me. I love all of that. So that is a reward to me. Um, I love that. And I'm so much more in tune with that. I can read it so much better. I can actually understand the emotions that they might be experiencing. 
and connecting to that to the behaviors and maybe the thinking around the behaviors that are happening. So I like use the thought model, the coaching model all the time when I'm watching a well-written TV show or movie. Um, and I get like in it, man, like I am so far in it. I like feel like I can't even pull myself out. Like I feel like I'm walking around in, you know, this Bridgerton movie or show or, you know, whatever it is. Um, another thing that I really love is time alone. That, that is definitely a reward to me and being an entrepreneur, being able to carve out more of that time and in the spaces that I really need it in is really amazing. I'm so grateful for that. And that is a real reward for me. Quiet time is a reward for me. Um, Sometimes when I have too much quiet time, when my kids are here and loud and yelling, it can be like this huge swing the other direction and it can be hard. So I try to kind of rev myself up for that experience um, and not always have my quiet time or alone time, you know, being all day because that can be hard to be overstimulated after you've had, you know, some quiet um, throughout the day. Um, intense exercise is actually a reward for me. I have lots of emotions. Um, anger is a primary emotion that I experience as an Enneagram nine and, uh, working it out through my body through physical to intense exercise is awesome. I am an orange theory person. I thought I would never be an orange theory person. I have, um, someone that I know that always says, how do you know somebody goes to orange theory? And he always says, cause it's the first thing they talk about, <laughs> which I don't really um, but people will ask me what I do for exercise and I'm like, oh, I go to Orange Theory and you can see they're kind of like, oh God, isn't that one of those cult things, you know? Um, but I do love it. And like the same people are there for the most part in the mornings at 6.05 when I go. And I love that. Like, I love that they're like my community. I don't really talk to any of them or know any of them. Um, but I feel like I do. Like, I feel like we're in this thing together. So I think there's something about the community aspect that I really do like. I and mean, when I first was sold on Orange Theory about this community aspect. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. We're going to create this amazing community, whatever. Like I'm here just to work out and, you know, strengthen myself a little bit. But really, intense exercise is honestly a reward for me. So um, interesting because I would have never said that 10 years ago. Um, so those are some of the reward systems that I have used to replace my um, reward of alcohol. I also, I talk about it all the time, I love mocktails. I love putting a pretty drink that tastes amazing in a pretty glass and enjoying it. I drink alcohol-free beer all the time. I love it. I was a big IPA drinker in my drinking days, and I love drinking a non-alcoholic IPA. It's great. There's some there's some shit ones out there, but there's some really great ones out there too. Um, the well-being one, if you are close to a Total Wine, they carry it, although it's almost always out because it's actually good. Um, the Athletic Brewing Company is okay. You can try that one too, you know. So there's there's a whole lot of them out there that I really love, and that is a reward to me at the end of a, of a day is a pretty nice little mocktail cocktail or mocktail um, beer, alcohol-free drink, whatever it is. Um, sometimes I drink ginger ale <laughs> like a little kid, and I love it. So challenge the fact that or challenge the thinking that you believe that alcohol is a reward for you. Just challenge it. Like ask yourself if it really is rewarding. In real time, it's going to be because that's how it's made. I mean, it's what it does to our brain chemistry. In real time, it's going to feel like a reward. Um, ask yourself if it's a long-term reward um, because it's more than likely not. Um, I'm excited for the next few weeks in content. We're going to talk about social life and vacationing with alcohol. 
which is a fun one. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful you're here and keep at the journey. Keep being curious. That's all I ask. It doesn't have to be perfect. We just want some progress. Have a good week. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded of new episodes. This is not intended to be medical advice. This is for gray area drinkers that are wanting to evaluate their relationship with alcohol and cut back or quit altogether. If alcohol isn't ruining your life, but it's certainly not making it any better, you're in the right place.